Hey everybody, on today's episode of the Total Soccer Show, we have an actual weekend review. We've got multiple leagues and multiple competitions to be discussed, and Ryan and I do just that. But first, I wanted to let you know that this episode of the Total Soccer Show is brought to you by Fubo. Uh, Our friends at Fubo would like to remind you that you do have the family plan option. You can watch a bunch of games. You can even watch them at the same time as two other people. Three people can watch simultaneously with the family plan. It also gives you up to 500 hours of DVR storage, so for all of the many, many, many games that are about to be happening, you can record them all and keep them all and watch them all. And then obviously you could use Fubo to keep track of everything that's happening this week because we've got a lot of games. On Tuesday, you could start with, say, Gladbach v. Wolfsburg at uh, 12.30. Then at 2.30, you've got Bayern v. Werder Bremen. Werder Bremen v. Bayern, but that could be the title right there decided. 4 p.m., Barcelona, a dominant Barcelona versus Leganes. We'll see what happens there. Wednesday, another full day. Frankfurt v. Schalke, that's at noon. Leipzig, Dusseldorf, 2.30. Man City Arsenal, the return of the Premier League at 310. That's on NBC Sports or NBC Universo. And at 415, if you want some Portuguese action, Rio Ave v Benfica, you can watch that one on Goal TV. So you've got lots of different options, many, many games, all of which you can watch, all of which can be DVR'd. And with Fubo TV, you will not be disappointed. You can stay updated on your favorite leagues as well as local broadcast news. You can go to fubo.tv slash TSS today and start your free seven-day trial. You will not regret it. That's Fubo.tv slash TSS. You can watch those games. Maybe uh, schedule the Cooligans in there as well. Watch that show. Enjoy that show. So go to Fubo.tv slash TSS and start your free trial today. And welcome to an actual weekend review edition of the Total Soccer Show. We've got multiple leagues to discuss, and to help me do it is a man who is as clean-shaven as Lionel Messi, at least I assume he is. It's Ryan Bailey. Hello, Ryan. Hello, TT. I am pretty much clean-shaven right now, and I'm very proud of myself because just before we came on here, I made up a song about you. Oh, no. Taylor, you got me on my knees, oh, Taylor, big no. and dolly. Oh, I didn't make it up. It's a, a an old Derek and the Domino song, which I used your name instead of the original name in the song, and I thought it was very clever. You know what? I thought it was clever. It made my morning. I feel like we've, we've maybe woken some people up. They weren't expecting singing quite so early in the show, but you can never really tell when the singing is going to pop up on the Total Soccer Show, especially when Ryan Bailey's involved. I'll tell you what, when, when this podcast is done, the folks at home should, uh, or wherever they are, Hopefully at home should be uh, put on put on Layla and that piano bit at the end of Layla. Taylor. Oh yeah, Layla Taylor. <laughs> do it's you? A- what do you think about? Is that the greatest outro of all time? Because for me, it's the greatest outro of all time. The only reason why I don't love it is because every time I watch Goodfellas and that's the scene when everything's falling apart, uh, they play that music, and I always want to hear that song. And you have to go all the way to the end to get to hear that piano outro. But other than that, yes, it is a terrific, terrific piece of music. I, I'm glad we got this right, Ryan. They, uh, they they cut it when when you listen to like classic rock radio yeah. and they cut it just as the piano starts. Oh, that gets me. That's no good. Oh, that That's why you should ears. never listen to radio. Uh, <laughs> where are you listening to radio? Do you own a car from 1957? Yes, on the old wireless in my <laughs> 1947 something. I mean, that that mentality is in keeping with the the clean cutness that we've already talked about. We did have Barcelona return to action. We're going to talk about that a little bit later with La Liga. But we did have Lionel Messi looking like a fresh-faced 18-year-old once again with the the haircut that's not quite as aggressive. It's not the... 
the uh, the the modern haircut, so to speak, whereas Sergio Ramos went with the like, the full the full goatee sort of beard situation with the hair pulled back. Ryan, who do you think had the best quarantine look between the two? This is this has been my biggest question of the weekend. Who quarantined it best? Messi mm-hmm. with the gone back to how he looked when he was eighteen with a few extra tattoos, albeit, or Ramos with the full hipster. That was a that's a girthy beard he's got going it on. Really it's not is. a Taylor Rockwell beard, but it's pretty impressive, right? It is the 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 mini the mini ponytail slash man bun. I, I remain not the biggest fan of, but I think mm. I think Messi corrected too much like I, th- I think he he tried to go with the like i'm cutting it all off because he clearly had grown a giant playoff beard slash corona beard yeah. slash quarantine beard <laughs> uh i like sergio ramos's look i think but also sergio ramos sort of has to keep the intimida- intimidation factor up and i'm going to assume that's why he's involved in goal scoring is because he's that intimidating well both players had very good weekends that's so true. maybe both the looks work for both of them i will say one more thing uh it's been fantastic having uh la liga back and having uh phil Schoen, uh, uh-huh. in our ears once again he called it quarantine a couple of times on the commentary. He said quarantine. How do we you know feel what? about that? Let, let, let's stick with La Liga then. We'll get to we'll get to the uh, to the Bundesliga in a bit, but let's stay here because yes, in that uh, that Barcelona game, Barcelona winning four 0 on the road at Mallorca, it does start off with Phil Shane discussing Lionel Messi and the clean cuttedness, and then referring to it as quarantine. That was not the first of the broadcast issues they would have. I think Ray Hudson's monitor was routinely not working, so it yeah. kept being a situation when Hudson would be talking, and I think they had to like cut his audio so Phil Shane could say, "Hey, a goal has happened." Uh, so we, I think the quarantine was maybe a sign of things to come and in that way i think it was maybe a good thing it's it set us up for uh them finding their footing once again yeah th- that was interesting wasn't it having ray hudson profusely apologize yes. for uh, and wishing he was back in the studio with his being sports pals that was he uh, sounded so sad hitches, he did yeah, it was, i'm very apologetic you did feel sorry for him but of all the technical hitches we could have had with the mm-hmm. broadcast and we could have had with the with the league's restart that's a pretty minor one i can get over that yeah, I think I can too. The one thing that I, I found very surprising from this game was that we had a pitch invader, which is not a thing that I expected to have in a closed door environment. Uh, in the 52nd minute, there was a, uh, a, a French, I think a French person who lives in Mallorca, ran on the field wearing a messy Argentina jersey, mm. uh, because he wanted to get a photo with his idol. When asked afterwards how he had done that, I believe he scaled a 12 foot wall to get into the stadium to then run onto the field. Uh, he's already been released, but I'm sure the police are still looking into it. But that was not sort of the best look for we're playing these games in complete isolation and no one knows how it's happening and when. And then there's a person running around trying to hug Leo Messi. I don't know if he got there. I kind of hope he did, but I simultaneously hope that he did not. Well, it was interesting. He came on the field and he sort of, I think it was Jordi Alba who was just standing next to him having a chat <laughs> yes. with for like a few seconds. It's like, why, why is no one coming? Oh, that's right. There's no security because yes. there's no fans. And we had this bizarre 100% of the supporters invaded the pitch in the, in the 53rd minute of this game, which is very odd. And then when he starts to make a move away from Jordi Alba, he's sort of having a, the other players are laughing. Oh, there's yeah. this completely untested person on the field. We've all been tested and this jeopardizes our potential future in the next few weeks. Oh, aren't we having fun? Yeah, I mean, and you would assume that the person who climbed the 12-foot wall to be able to uh, run down Lionel Messi and like hug him and get a photo with him is maybe also not the type of person who is then safe quarantining at home and abiding by all the rules and regulations. So yes, I take your point. Although yeah. I guess it's a good sign that the players weren't so concerned but it did seem like an odd advertisement for how like seriously everything is being taken and my assumption is that uh maybe the next round of games will have at least one or two security people uh sort of on the field just in case or right there uh near the field because it did take 
slightly longer and I did find myself wondering like how are they going to get this person off I don't see the usual people in the yellow jackets go sprinting onto the field because why would they uh, so maybe we'll have some more security people uh, next yeah. time and it did seem like to his credit that Pitch Invader was covering the field a lot better than Mallorca's defense <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth well done that was going to be my transition because <laughs> yes it was not the best game for Mallorca uh, for Barcelona who did have a couple players maybe looking a little bit like they weren't up to 100% physical fitness Luis Suarez being one of them his mm. injury probably playing a part there but there, I did have that thought of like are we going to see a rusty Barcelona is Mallorca going to come out and maybe cause some problems create some difficulty and that very much was not the answer because we had what like 100 seconds into the game thereabouts I think one yeah. minute and five seconds in, so not even 100 seconds. We have the first goal. It's a header from Arturo Vidal. And from that point on, Mallorca have some moments where they have good possession. They have some moments where they get a couple shots off. But for mm. the most part, it was some pretty hapless defending across the board from Mallorca. It just seemed, yeah, they were just getting pulled wide constantly and they were being stretched in ways where you don't expect a, a top division team to be stretched. Like that, that first goal, you can call that a really great win of the ball high up the pitch and high pitch pressure good stuff from the outset from Barcelona, but also it was a giveaway from Mallorca yes. at the stop. The second goal, it was pretty ugly defending. It seemed like they were committing far too many men wide. The balls were clearly coming from width. Jordi Alba had a brilliant game uh, here, and he was involved in virtually every goal, wasn't mm-hmm. he? But, um, you know, he's, he sort of, when he comes down uh, the flank for this second goal, he's brought three defenders with him. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's stretching. It, it just seemed like it was almost a bit playground soccer, the way they were doing this. It was... <sighs> it was pretty good. <laughs> and it was, and it was also... It, it, it was a good sort of display, I think, from the technical issues we've talked about. Just that, like, Ray Hudson, as we said, sort of having to apologize and say, like, oh, my monitor froze, you take this one, Phil. But when he would sort of show his... Or, like, vent his frustration of, like, oh, I, I, I couldn't... I don't know. But like it would usually go with when uh, like Mallorca had had a breakdown or Barcelona were somehow through on goal. And so it almost worked out that he was just sort of so depressed by what Mallorca were doing that he was sort of at a loss for words. That's not yeah. obviously what was the case, but it did sound that way on occasion when, yeah, like the third goal when Jordi Alba is basically played in by Messi. It's an amazing ball, but he breaks the offside line entirely. And that was when Ray Hudson just stopped talking and made a guttural <laughs> noise. And it wasn't his usual loud guttural noise. It was more of a sad one, but maybe yeah. he was just that depressed by what Mallorca were doing on defense and even the fourth goal like with Suarez when he comes on he picks up the, the ball on the turn it's four versus three and you see four versus three in Bar- yeah. with Barcelona going forward there's only one thing that's possibly going to happen and in the end you know um Messi sort of ran past two people on parallel and put the ball in the net beautifully Jordi Alba was wide open and could have had another one there for that goal it mm. was it was just a little bit disappointing from the defensive front but Definitely some positives for Barcelona, I'd say. There was Certainly. some really good performances. I think my man, my MOTM, OTM, my man of the match other than Messi was probably Alba. He mm-hmm. was very good. I thought uh, De Jong was very impressive in this game. Vidal. How about Martin Braithwaite? How Are about we, Martin oh, Braithwaite? How about him? Because oh, there's a narrative going around, Tay-Tay, that he's more effective in this team than Antoine Griezmann. Hmm. It was interesting to watch because I went into this game thinking, like, oh, I feel so bad for him. He was this emergency signing because Luis Suarez is going to be out with injury. But now because of the uh, the delay and the return, like, 
it stands to reason that he won't get nearly as many minutes because Suarez, we know, comes back into this game, gets some minutes, is not mm. yet back at full fitness. But I did find myself thinking, like, oh, this is it for Martin Braithwaite. Like, he had, he would have had those two months, and now he'll get a couple games, and then that's it. But if he keeps kind of being in the right spots, yes, it's a it's sort of other people doing the work that then he finds himself in a position to volley home from, like, six yards out, and it's a nice little flick on from Little Messi. But it's still he scored, and he still did look really good. And when Suarez does come in and Braithwaite moves out to the left and you have the Braithwaite, Suarez, Messi front three, lots of good combination, lots of good interplay, lots of good space that they were able to find and exploit. It does make sense why he's in this squad and why he maybe will be in this squad more long term than I think I had initially expected. I always call it as a genius transfer, so I'm glad that um, <laughs> it's coming to light finally. I mean, I think our issue was never with like them signing Martin Braithwaite. It was more the mechanism for how that was able to occur that felt mildly yeah. unfair. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's a, a pretty fair assessment of how things went there. But I, but yeah. I will say, in a 4-0 win for Barcelona, I did not have the first two scorers being Arturo Vidal and Martin Braithwaite. That is not <laughs> what I expected. Jordi Alba and then Lionel Messi a bit, makes a bit more sense. I feel like we returned to normalcy by the end of this game. We did, yes. And uh, Braithwaite could have had a second, didn't he? He got pretty close. Did he have a shot yeah. block late on as well? And he yeah. had a second goal. So, yeah, very good. But I think... Definitely Jordi Alba seemed like the key man in this one for me. And I've said his name about 10 times already, which probably expresses that. But once again, it just seemed like Mallorca were just setting Barcelona up for success. I seem to remember one point where Vidal had the ball and he had like, it was like he attracted men towards him. He had three men come to him, all of them going to the ball. And he he was able to set, uh, I think it was Sergio Roberto free very easily because of the way the players were. They just seemed to be ill-disciplined in terms of their positioning. Yes, and I, and I think like you you can forgive Mallorca for maybe coming into this one. There's a little bit of rust. They want to get back underway, but maybe they're not quite up to speed. But you would have expected maybe a little bit of that from Barcelona, as I said, and that we really didn't see that. Like, yeah, there's a couple sloppy passes here and there. There's a, a few individual mistakes. But generally speaking, it was a very tight performance from Barcelona. You mentioned Jordi Alba several times. I will continue to mention to him. It's the runs that we've come to expect, but that, like, because there has been this day, delay, there has been this layoff, that he is still at the exact same sort of form that he was when coronavirus first happened. It, it is sort of mind blowing to me. And I think his performance was, was incredibly good, especially his goal and especially the runs he makes. But uh, you had highlighted Frankie de Jong. I would agree with you on that one as well, that the way he's able to sort of hold in the middle but avoid pressure, he drops back in at one point and plays deep when Busquets goes off. And yep. it just felt like he could do a number of different roles in that midfield, and none of them really seemed to bother him too much. Instead, he kind of seemed very comfortable in every single one. And I'm going to guess if you're a Barcelona fan, you're feeling slightly optimistic about that. Yeah, and he also almost had like an enforcer role in this game as well. I think on the first goal, he, it was him who stole the ball on the edge of the box, and that was really well done as well. Just very, pretty impressive all around for him, I'd say. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about Real Madrid uh, v. Abar in a moment, but I want to stay with uh, maybe like a quick one we can talk about would be Atletico Bilbao versus Atletico Madrid. That finishes mm. one-to-one. This was the... Uh, I missed some of the games. This was the first game I watched uh, from La Liga. I was excited to turn it on, and within about 10 minutes, I was less excited. Ryan, what did you make of this game? It's an Atletico Madrid game. Yeah in this current situation and they you know they love an away draw uh i mean you could you can go to san mamas and get a get a point it's not a bad situation for any team but they're not you know they've had four draws in their last five i don't think that champions league win over liverpool is fully representative of where uh, diego simeone's team is right now not super thrilling i mean no lots of crosses lots of wide play 
Uh, got a few it's, shots off. Kraska had a pretty good chance early on, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I can see where you're coming from with with your uh, with your lack of enthusiasm there. Well, I think like to, to refresh people, like this is an Atletico Madrid team that when this season first started, there was conversation about how Diego Simeone was sort of going to try to change. He was going to try to evolve his style and move on, keep aspects of the defense, defensive rigidity, but be more attacking. And it's why you have players like Jao Felix brought in, because you have mm-hmm. that sort of intent, you have that stated intent. And then, I, like right before the coronavirus uh, suspension happens, I keep—I need a quicker way of explaining that one, but we'll, we'll deal with that off air. But for now, like when that happens is when we start to see Atletico sort of revert back to their their usual style because the more attacking one isn't working, and and it's a big part of why they're able to get that result against Liverpool. So I think to see them sort of continue the. Uh, more practical approach is maybe the general way or generous way to put it is not surprising, but it still was a, a reminder of where Atletico are that they're not quite as exciting as maybe we would have hoped at the beginning of the season, but they're also not quite as disciplined and rigid as they have been in years past. They're sort of still yeah. in between those two things, at least right now. And I think there is a narrative of uh, lack of defensive discipline, perhaps, of course, the, the Bundesliga restart and here as well. And we saw it in the Mallorca game as well. Like mm-hmm. that first goal for Ike Munoin, who is only 27, by the way. He seems like he's been around since the 90s. <laughs> it's, but, uh, there's a few of those, right? For people who've like, like, I forget who it was recently who I looked up and they're only 24. And I was like, they're at least 36. I don't know what you're talking about. Whenever that happens with players, it's sort of strange. Yeah, Arjun Robin's still only 24, did you know? Anyway, um, the, 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 the Atletico... Uh, defensive ill-discipline like that first goal we got I think it was uh, Williams who put the cross over from the right Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess it was going to Cordoba and Kieran Trippier I suppose he was supposed to be there nowhere to be seen the the, the defence was far too compact and Williams kind of exposed it with that ball and Munoin with a really good outside of the boot finish albeit a bit deflected I think off of Thomas Partey but just indicative of a little bit of rustiness, I'd say there, and a little bit of not not the kind of defending one would expect from a from a Simeone side. And that said, I think there was some interesting defending from Bilbao as well. Even for their uh, for, for the equaliser, it was it came due to a pretty poor attempted clearance mm-hmm. to get it out of the box, and it was like a ball along the floor, wasn't it? And it just seems like who was it going to? There was no Bilbao shirts anywhere near it. It went straight to Saul, who puts it through to Costa for the finish. Um, so I would attribute a little bit of rustiness perhaps on both sides, uh, to be fair, on this one. And and I, I agree with you entirely, and we'll talk about it again when we get to the Real Madrid game, but I think because of the lack of training, because of the the layoff that's happened, you do have that lack of sharpness, especially on defense. And so I felt like some of the systems that we're used to about of being a little bit tighter, you didn't have that. And so instead it was individual performances that I think were making up the difference. And what that led to was a lot of kind of scrambled tackles, scrambled clearances, and a lot of times those scrambled clearances went right to an opponent who was then able to capitalize. So I think the teams that yeah. are able to get on that front foot early and often, I think will get those results at least early on. We do have Atletico trying to change it up in the 63rd minute. They make a triple substitution. They add uh, Angel Correa later on, but it's Morata, Arias, Lamar, Correa all come on. That felt to me like, okay, this is Atleti going for it. They're really going to try to get something here, and that nothing happens has me thinking that maybe we're not going to see as much of Atletico uh, in any sort of title race, which makes sense given that they're in sixth, uh, 15 points off of Barcelona who are in first place, but yeah. they may also struggle to get that year European spot. They're they're obviously two po- uh, two places back, one point behind Real Sociedad, who are currently in fourth. But Atletico 
need to maybe get that attack going a little bit, which is something we've said, obviously, many times before. But as long as the attack isn't firing and the defense is maybe not quite as sharp, we're going to get these results, and I think they're going to continue to drop points. It does seem that way, yes. They, maybe we could call them the Gladbach of Spain. They just don't want that fourth place very much. They, they don't want it. Yes, we are going to talk about Gladbach's refusal to <laughs> uh, to secure points. But and first... Just, just sorry, first before you go there, Tete, I just mm-hmm. want, uh, tying in the Bundesliga with La Liga, uh, Mr. Jimmy Conrad, friend of the, friend of ah, the yes. show and friend of us, uh, he tweeted something interesting at the start of the weekend. He said, the more Bundesliga games I watch, the less impressed I am with the quality, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I sort of sort of raised an eyebrow. I think I'd seen this just after watching the Mallorca-Barcelona game and thought, is it just the Bundesliga this is an issue with? I think it might be a more universal trait we have going on here. Yes. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it absolutely is. I think because the thing I hadn't thought about, I had focused on attacking systems and how there'd be a little bit of rust. It would take a while to get the attacking fluidity back for teams. It should have occurred to me that that would also be the case for defenses, so that if you have a very like disciplined, organized defensive system, it will take some time to get that kind of uh, awareness, familiarity with it back to full speed. And so you are going to see some of those gaps, some of those problems, some of those vulnerabilities that to some extent have been dealt with in the Bundesliga. But I think we're still getting the the early post-corona growing pains uh, sort of still in effect in La Liga. Post-corona mental Lack of sharpness, to there we go. put it succinctly. Yes. Uh, well, if you are facing a different sort of lack of sharpness, uh, specifically hardness, then today's sponsor is for you. It's forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. It is worth noting that 40% of men by the age of 40 struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. Uh, but instead of turning to weird solutions like gas station counter supplements or incredibly expensive pills, you can check out uh, Hims, where you can connect with real licensed doctors, FDA-approved products to treat erectile dysfunction forhims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss skincare <laughs> sexual wellness for men thanks to silence silence thanks to silence taylor thanks mm-hmm. to science taylor there we go ed can now be optional and silence also hymns connects you with real licensed doctors and fda approved pharmaceutical products to treat ed they've got well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions to help you combat the aforementioned ed and prescription solutions which are backed once again by science not silence made more affordable for you and you can see results where other treatments fall short you certainly can all you have to do is answer a few questions about your medical history and a confidential review with the doctor if you're approved for treatment then the products are shipped directly to your door so it's all very discreet it's all very easy and you can uh, go about getting it started very easily by uh, starting out with a free online visit you can go to forhimscom slash total soccer ed that's f-o-r-h-i-m-s dot com slash total soccer ed forhimscom slash total soccer ed and here comes the small print, Tate. Prescription products are subject to doctor approval and require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went in person to the doctor's office or pharmacy. Remember, that's forhims.com slash total soccer ed. That was well done. That was that was some nice reading and some nice singing both times. Uh, and as Daryl pointed out, I think the last time we had a, a, a hymns uh, advertisement, we should note it's not just you can go to the website for free. It's that that first sort of visit is free. You're not paying for that one. It's not just, hey, you're welcome to go to our website for free. They're not yeah. like that. They're instead very helpful. Uh, so thank you to hymns for sponsoring this episode of the Total Soccer Show. We've talked Barcelona. We've talked a little bit Atleti. Let's talk Real Madrid, who I thought were... 
as impressive as Barcelona? Maybe, maybe a little bit more so. Uh, but before we get to the game itself, did you find it strange, the, uh, the stadium they were playing in? Because it took me a minute to get used to that one. Yeah, that's when you know you're a pretty well-off team. Jeeves, don't take me to the main stadium. I think I'll play my games at the alternate stadium today. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, they're playing at the Alfredo Di Stefano, which is in their uh, training facility, uh, which is, I believe, where the Castilla and some of their youth sides play at that stadium. You they were playing correct. there because there is work being done at the Bernabeu to turn it into a galactic spaceship or whatever they're trying to make it look like. Do you, um, have you seen Have you seen or read about what it's going to be? Because you are not wrong with your description of it being a galactic spaceship. At first when I saw it, it's like, are they just trying to make it look like the Alliance Arena but silver? <laughs> um, but Are they just wrapping lots of fancy stuff around it? But it yep. looks like there's a bit more to it than that. Uh, evidently, they, they can't even put games on the on the field at the moment, but it does look very impressive, their plans for it, yes, I'd yeah. say. And, and uh, the retractable roof as well. But then it yeah. does have the, like, the shiny uh, sort of Space Age shell combined with a retractable roof. There's there's vibes of the Death Star. There are Death Star yeah. vibes in there. Uh, but I, I don't know if it will be that powerful. Certainly not powerful yet. Uh, as you said, there was gravel and construction debris, I guess, on the field. So they will be playing, uh, for the time being, in Estadio uh, Alfredo Di Stefano uh, until, I think, the Bernabeu is expected to be fully, fully ready to go in 2022, the start of 2022 season. I'm assuming they will play there next year as well, just maybe with construction ongoing. Uh, but until then, they're in that 6,000-seat stadium, which does make a little bit more sense uh, for the current uh, setting. Uh, we do know that if they start letting fans back in, I think there will be rules about the percentage of fans that are only allowed in, which means I think we could see Real Madrid games with only 2,000 fans if and when fans are allowed back in. Uh, it's, that would be even more strange, I think, for them to be playing in the reserve team stadium with like only a third of the fans. It would just look like they've really fallen on hard times. <laughs> now, I've been a fan of the uh, pumping in the fake crowd noise on the broadcast. It did feel a bit more incongruous when they were playing at their training facility for this one, though, didn't it? It, it certainly did. And then I don't know if this is what you like meant when you were talking about the fake fan noise, but... I also do, I, I do love the idea of if it reflected the actual crowd. Like at one point, I think, uh, in one of the Bundesliga games, like they, ha- they were piping in whistles because the, the home crowd that wasn't there wanted the game to end. Here, I feel like we need some, we need some whistles. We need some boos that would mm. make it feel a bit more authentic. That would be very Bernabeu to have some whistling going on. And I think it, it really took me out of the room when Gareth Bale came on and not a single person booed him, particularly, <laughs> See, exactly. based, on, particularly based on Gareth Bale's performance in this game, uh, which I think he had like, he lost the ball four times. Mm-hmm. He had zero key passes, zero crosses, zero dribbles, zero shots. He, he seemed to go like long periods of time without being anywhere near the ball, just thinking about his seven iron or something. So Maybe he I, actually I would... thought it was a training game. Maybe that was the problem, is he didn't get the memo on why they were playing there, and he just thought, like, oh, it's another preseason game, I'll just run around for a minute, it's fine. Uh, even if you're training, you've got to do better than that, Gareth, to be that's, honest. That's probably true. That's probably true. <laughs> well, maybe he could take a page out of Sergio Ramos's book. Uh, we, we mentioned him earlier. He does mm. get in on the goal scoring. Uh, he makes a, a sharp interception, drives forward, plays it to Benzema. Benzema, I think, plays to uh, Hazard. Hazard squares for Ramos. And uh, that's the second goal for Madrid. But seeing Sergio Ramos sort of like making those swashbuckling runs and driving forward, it, it was a reminder that Real Madrid at their full power are a sight to behold. And this did feel like Real Madrid sort of clicking into high gear at the exact right moment. It does make me excited for a potential title race in a way that we maybe thought we might get in the Bundesliga and then did not. 
Yeah, definitely. And I'll preface this comment by saying that I don't think this was an all-round perfect Real Madrid performance. It wasn't. There were some players who yeah. left a lot to be desired, Gareth Bale being one of them. And I think Barcelona were a bit more impressive than Real Madrid were in this opening round. But you can only play what's put in front of you, obviously. Mm. But as you say, that goal was pretty indicative of, you know, it was a, a classic Real Madrid counter-attack. That was sort of the sort of thing you might see in the Mourinho era when Mourinho played yeah. exciting soccer. You remember that? Remember that? <laughs> um, but Many, like, many years ago. Uh, is is Sergio Ramos a false four? Can we call him a false four? I would be fine with that. Uh, Has he invented I, a position? And I would I would maybe throw Gerard Piquet into that conversation as well, even though I don't know if he's number four. But I know what you mean that there's this like the the suddenly him stepping out and being an attacking midfielder is not a thing I fully expect. And whenever it happens, I try to figure out like did Casemiro grow his hair out? What happened there? And then I realize it's Sergio <laughs> Ramos, and I get. Less confused and simultaneously more confused. I just started giggling when I realised it was Ramos who was putting the ball in from there because then I had to watch it back again. He, he wins the ball in his own half, you know, puts, puts it forward and starts the movement, keeps going, and he's so quick. How old is he now, 34? Mm-hmm. He's still absolutely rapid. And that beard growth has not slowed him down remotely. Very impressive stuff from Sergio Ramos. And frankly, who needs Ronaldo when you've got Ramos on the, and Marcelo in your back line scoring them like this? Because this is, a, this is a, a good performance from their defenders, definitely. Yes, I'm, I'm just going to leave it there instead of potentially getting myself into league of hot water while discussing more of Sergio Ramos and why he might suddenly be performing better. Anyway, uh, instead Ooh. of talking about that, <laughs> we'll talk about uh, other things like Kareem Benzema, who also looked... Like, very good and simultaneously not as sharp. And I don't know how he pulled that off, but I was really impressed by him, his willingness to take people on. But it wasn't always the, like, double step over, gets by, and then squares for a goal. A double, like, single step over, gets by, squares, and then there's another pass for a goal. It felt like sometimes he would cough the ball up, sometimes he would give it away. But that he was sort of putting himself in positions to, uh, like, allow those counterattacks to take place or to help with facilitate attacks. It was just him back in the right rhythms and then... A and Hazard as well seem to be sort of in that same form of feeling very confident, feeling very energetic. Maybe there's a little bit of sloppiness, but you see how that partnership is going to work. And I think if you're a Madrid fan, you're probably pretty excited about it. Yeah, definitely. This is the best of Benzema we've seen in a long time, I would say. He was involved in every goal. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even the first goal where technically, it, I, I thought when I first watched it, it was Benzema that cut the ball back to Tony Kroos before he put the perfect mm-hmm. shot into the back of the net. Oh my gosh, Tony Kroos. Let's talk about him in a minute. But um, it wasn't a cutback. It was an interception off, still off of his boot, basically. You know, he got he was the one who put the through ball through to Hazard, uh, who mm-hmm. passed it to Ramos for the second goal. And in the third goal, I think it was him and Hazard combining again before yep. that really, really excellent Marcelo finish. So yep. he was involved in everything. And I thought he looked really good uh, with Hazard. Their partnership looked very impressive in this game. Uh, yeah, uh, you will get no arguments from me. Uh, I will go back to that first goal for a moment just to say that I too watched that and thought like, oh, it's Benzema cuts it back. It's a great goal. Why is it listed as unassisted? And then I watched it again and thought, oh, but it's actually Hazard who cuts it back. And then the third time I watched it, I realized it's Sergio <laughs> Alvarez. This is what I was talking about earlier. Slides in to try to make a play, makes the sort of 1v1 defensive play. But then that tackle goes immediately to Tony Cruz, who smashes it home. And I will say that we've talked about Benzema and Hazard being good performers for Real Madrid. Sergio Alvarez, a very good performer for Real Madrid. He gets the assist, even if he doesn't want to call it that for that one. (laughs) Then he is also the one who, after Hazard has the shot for the third goal that is saved, it is again Sergio Alvarez who slides in and tries to poke the ball away and pokes it right to Marcelo, who then scores. So not the best defensive display from Sergio Alvarez and uh, Abar on this one. 
yeah, secret agent there. There's something going on. But let's not take anything away from Tony Kroos. Once again, showing that he's got such good finishing skills. His technique is amazing. His positioning is amazing. Yeah. He's just a low-key legend. Is he? Can I call him Real Madrid's low-key legend? You absolutely can. Because he is one he's never going to get. He's up there with like Casemiro, even though like, gets some plaudits for being the kind of defensive rock and he can sit in and Zidane loves him. Tony Cruz is just sort of an ever-present fixture that we never really talk about until we're like, oh yeah, he's really good. And we have this conversation. And then we probably won't mention him for two more months until we mention how good he is again. Yeah, until he puts in an amazing free kick or something, which, yes. which he's also uh, want to do. Uh, I, I will say that I liked all of the goals. Uh, the Marcelo goal was probably my favorite because I also very much appreciated his celebration. He kneels, fist in the air. It's the tribute to Black Lives Matter. And I appreciate that he sort of used that opportunity, uh, even with, with no fans there, but obviously lots of eyes on that game. Uh, so credit to Marcelo for a good goal and then for uh, standing with Black Lives Matter as well. Yeah, definitely. And a, a good performance from Marcelo. But I'll say about that goal, Taylor, and this is some, maybe the Estadio Alfredo Di Stefano camera angles aren't doing justice to this performance. Because as we say, we had to look three times to see what the, uh, yes. where the assist came from the first goal. And this one, I had to watch it several times to watch his technique. Because I'm always mm-hmm. trying to see what Marcelo's doing with his left foot because it, it's a genius left foot. It sure is. It does seem like he, he, he it looks like a really clean hit shot across goal, but he hits it into the ground, sort of, yep. sort of like a low half volley. And yep. that takes a lot of doing, doesn't yes, it? That, it? To really put does. it that accurately into the corner, having hit it straight into the ground. I'm oh, I'm so I've been even more impressed with him. I, I mean, it's fair. It's fair. I, I appreciate just that he puts the power behind it that no matter what, it's going to cause problems, even if he hits it straight into the ground. But still, uh, I just love seeing Marcelo bomb forward and get involved in the attack. Marcelo and Sergio Ramos bombing forward to score goals. Uh, it's always good to see, especially when you host a podcast with a person who's a defender. Ryan, I don't know what your position was when you played, but Daryl Grove, I think, loves a defender getting forward to contribute to the attack. Yeah, I was a centre-back when I played through uh, university and such, and uh, I can appreciate that. I never got forward. <laughs> just, just for corners, just for corners. Uh, I mentioned this previously. It does seem like things are shaping up where we will get some semblance of a, a, a title race. Ryan, do you have thoughts on, based on these like opening round of games, do you think we are going to get Barcelona-Madrid sort of vying for that title? Do you expect one to, like, from what you saw, be a little bit sharper, be a little bit more consistent? Right now we have Barcelona on 61 points, Real Madrid 59, Sevilla 50, Sociedad 47. Yeah, well, obviously it's only a two-horse race, only two points between them, yeah. as you say. And as I said previously, I felt like this was a better Barcelona performance than a Real Madrid performance, sure. and there were some letdowns. Thibaut Courtois, looking at you, bud, for the uh, for the uh, consolation goal there, for example. Yeah. But uh, and also Gareth Bale, as I mentioned. And I, but I think we're going to have a very close race. I think both are going to look to pick up maximum points as they usually do. There was nothing to me to, to suggest that either of these two teams will be slowing down in the uh, in, in the next nine games. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think you're right that I'm probably overvaluing, weirdly, Aiden Hazard's performance because he has been not the kind of marquee player that I think we thought he would be. He hasn't like had the massive success that, he, that we thought he might have in that first season. But then to see him sort of combining with Kareem Benzema the way he does for that third goal, I mean, it's a great sort of cutback and then reverse pass through traffic that Hazard anticipates. Benzema mm-hmm. reads his run. You see that sort of fluency between the two and you understand how that's going to work for them going forward. But you're right that I'm sort of focused on those individual performers uh, whereas a decent team performance overall from Real Madrid but then you switch to Barcelona and you get 
good individual performances from players that you wouldn't have expected, but then also good individual performances from the players you would expect, and then an overall comprehensive team performance. Yes, I think your point is well taken that Barcelona uh, will be feeling the bit more confident coming out of this first round of games. I think they shall. I think they shall. Yeah, but um, I'm, I'm very, I've been very encouraged by this restart. I thought it was all, uh, everything I saw was pretty entertaining. Ah, athletic, Atleti, not as much. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, there's a good round from the, La Liga, I think. The other issue that we have been uh, experiencing, not, not we ourselves, since we're sitting at home watching this, but uh, the players on the field, is that these games are being played at a time when the season was expected to be over. So it's mm. June, it's July, it's very hot, we need hydration breaks. And Ryan, if our listeners want to have their own hydration breaks, then they could check out today's sponsor, Hydrant. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Uh, Can you guess them off the top of your head? No, you can't? Okay, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. I almost quizzed you on that, and then I realized I was going to back you into a corner. That would not be quite fair. Well, I'm actually looking at the same copy as you. Well, I do you know go. them as well, to be fair. I, d- I did know them. And I also know that Hydrant is backed by research. The formula Ooh. was developed by Oxford scientists. Fancy. First we get Oxford commas, now we get Oxford scientists, Taylor. Whatever next, they're providing perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colours or artificial sweeteners, darling. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavours or a variety pack. Hydrant, did you know, starts at just a dollar a packet for a 30-day supply, Taylor. You can save even more if you were to embark upon a monthly subscription. I, I did know that, actually, uh, but I, I do appreciate it because I do enjoy some hydrant. I had a hydrant pack today. I had the lime one because it is a really nice way uh, if you maybe stayed up way too late last night watching soccer games uh, and then you felt a little bit sluggish this morning. You have the cup of coffee, but then you maybe augment that with hydrant or just have the hydrant outright. It gives you that electrolyte, but it also gives you a little bit of crispness, a little bit of flavor, a lot bit of flavor, I would say, but then also the hydration you need to maybe make you feel less like a zombie, which is always ideal. And if you want to feel less like a zombie and also get 25% off, then, Ryan, have I got something to tell you. Because our listeners can go to drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. I found it. Uh, (laughs) There's a delay there. Uh, Drinkhydrant.com slash soccer for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash soccer for 25% off your first order. You too could have sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc coursing through your veins like Taylor Rockwell right now. No clicky mouth on the mic from Taylor today. He is hella hydrated, baby. Hopefully so, and now I'm incredibly mindful of it. One more time, drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. Thank you very much to Hydrant for sponsoring today's episode and helping me avoid clicky mouth. Ryan, we've talked about La Liga. Let's move to the Bundesliga. Uh, let's start with Bayern Munich's 2-1 win over Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, a, a strange performance from Bayern, a not very good performance from Bayern, but they get the three points. But it is also worth noting that they get the three points with some unusual faces in the squad. Yes, not the typical Bayern Munich lineup. Before, By the way, clicky mouth comment was about me. I did a voiceover a couple oh, weeks no. ago and I listened back to it and it was just like... Oh, it was horrible. Oh, boy. So I, I, I had to make sure I had some hydrant in my body at that point, Taylor. I, hey. I digress. Bayern Munich, um, they didn't have the usual uh, uh, upfront partnership of Tommy Muller and Robert Lewandowski, uh, Mr. Cuisant and Mr. Zerxi up front instead for them. I mean, they got the three points, Taylor, but I, w- I would say of Hansi Flix's reign, mm-hmm. this might be the worst Bayern Munich performance I've seen. Fair? Yes. Yes, I think so. I think this this... 
it's really confusing because, yes, it was not a very good performance. I think they were sluggish. They were kind of slow with some of the passing. You didn't have that very aggressive attacking intent that we've come to expect from Bayern Munich until mm-hmm. the very end when they do eventually get the go-ahead goal. Um, and it's Pavard, I think, making up for his own goal that made it one-to-one. So good there with the assist. But that was sort of a moment that was few and far between of Bayern really being aggressive in their attacking approach. And so like, it, it was a not great performance because you don't have that level of consistency that we've come to expect but simultaneously as we said no Thomas Muller no Robert Lewandowski no Alfonso Davies in the starting 11 and then like I was like okay so he's resting some people and then you look at it again and you think like wait this is a Borussia Mönchengladbach team who are theoretically possibly in that title race if there were to be one but at the very least they're a, a very good team that have been a very strong team this season. To rest three of your key performers against strong opposition maybe shows the level of confidence that Hansi Flick has in his squad. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think the, the confidence was certainly warranted in uh, Joshua Zerksy, uh, the teenager yeah. who made the, got the first goal, who uh, exposed Jan Zomers. He had a bit oh, of a Tivo Courtois weekend with this one, let's say. Yeah. Um, a pretty awful attempt at playing out from the back from Jan Zomer. Uh, I don't quite know what he was trying to do but uh, Xerxes got on the end of that one um, he also he, he actually has a really high success rate of scoring I think he yeah. scored the winner on his debut uh, an injury time winner against Freiburg a little while back he almost always seems to score when he plays and um, I was I was wondering I saw a little conversation on Twitter about his his prospects for Euro 2021 are we going to call it 2021 whatever it is the thing that's happening next summer potentially with, the, with the Dutch squad because I mean, there's Memphis to buy. There's who else would there be? Luke uh, de Jong? I, I, let me let me uh, let me pull up my screenshot real fast. I grabbed this right before we uh, we started recording for this very reason because it like when you first proposed this idea, I thought like, oh, he's he's a 19 year old. He hasn't yet played for the Dutch uh, senior team. He only has the eight appearances for Bayern Munich. Uh, and then you look at at who the Netherlands have, and they have uh, Ryan Babel. There's Quincy Promes. There's Luke de Jong. There's Steven uh, Berkwies. Uh, you've like Justin Clivert is in there. You've got Memphis Depay who'll be returning from injury. You've yeah. got other options. Options, but there's nobody that I would say is a guaranteed, like, oh, yeah, that's the person you want leading that line for sure. There is definitely an opportunity here if we do see Xerxes come in, get more minutes, continue to be consistent. Maybe he is the sort of deputy to Robert Lewandowski going forward and gets the backing of Hansi Flick. Yeah, I think it makes sense that we might see him as an impact sub or an impact player. At the very least, I think we start to see him get some looks, some call ups to that Dutch senior team. And I was really surprised by him, not just the quality of that first finish, but when he scored, I've watched Bayern Munich a decent amount this season. I would say a lot this season. I was like, oh, good for him getting his debut goal, like on his debut. And then I realized he has played (laughs) for them eight times now. This was his fourth goal. He's doing all right. He's doing all right in terms of his minutes to uh, goals ratio for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's no Erling Haaland, but it's very impressive. And I think yes. the, the only reason he might not uh, feature more for the Dutch, and particularly next summer, is I don't think he'll get the game time. I don't see Robert Lewandowski giving up minutes if he doesn't yeah. have to. He wants he wants to uh, chase down those records. He wants the certainly. goals and certainly would do next season as well. So I think staying with Bayern might be prohibitive for him. But um, yeah, very, very, very promising talent for, for, for the future there in, in Mr. Xerxes. Very impressed with him. And it's, and to your, to your initial point, I went back and tried to figure out what exactly Sommer is trying to do because, 
like for for Bayern Munich sort of approaching this game with a fairly like ah yeah we'll probably get the result we'll play some kids like it also felt like Borussia Mönchengladbach saw that approach and we're like oh okay we can t- take our foot off the gas a little bit too because Sommer is looking for maybe one of two different players for Gladbach but neither one is really that open it's certainly not open enough for him to attempt a sort of reverse very awkward almost sort of no look pass and I yeah. think you see the result of that as Erksay latching onto it a, a great first time finish he finishes near post he does have a defender in front of him so he could have easily missed that one. He could have put it on frame, but hit it right into the hands of Summer. That he finishes it the way he does speaks to the confidence and maybe the the technical ability that is there. Uh, so I'm excited to see more from him. I was excited, as I said, for Benjamin Pavard to make up for scoring his own goal by uh, squaring the... Uh, final ball for, I believe it was Goretzka to get the winner. Bayern Munich extend their run. Uh, we do have Dortmund pull one back. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but that means that we do still have Bayern Munich well out in front. Meanwhile, Gladbach continue to drop points. And this is a Gladbach team who coming in, not to this game, but to the restart of the Bundesliga, we're in that conversation for maybe they are going to be in the title race. Maybe they are going to cause some problems for Bayern Munich. And now I'm wondering what the situation is and maybe do, – do Gladbach just maybe not want that pressure of having to play in Europe? Do they not want the pressure of being in the title race? Is that why you have the goalkeeper passing the ball away for fairly needless reasons? Yeah, fourth place is lava. I think that's the answer. They've had one, <laughs> one place in their last five uh, – one, yeah. sorry, one win in their last five. Right. It just seemed like they – even in this game, they didn't really push hard enough at the end. They were playing for a draw and were punished. I think yeah. is basically how this one went down because they, they, you know, once they got the equaliser, they didn't do enough with it. They were happy to sit back, and I would have liked to have seen them be a little bit more cavalier away I, from I would... home. And as we all know, every Bundesliga team wins away from home. They could have done it. Yeah, that's how it works. And instead, they find themselves out of the Champions League spots, currently in fifth. They also are going to be uh, slightly bummed out to have Marcus Turam uh, pick up an injury. He comes off in the 10th minute. Briel Embolo replaces him. Embolo back, but then you see his lack of sharpness. He has the the great opportunity, I believe, in the uh, in the second half when it's basically get, gets on the end of one. It's a good save by Neuer. The rebound is there. He puts it wide. You can see the look on his face of just recognizing, like, I am not going to get many opportunities against this Bayern team. I probably should have done better. And then with the final result going the way it goes, he is probably going to be ruining that one. Bayern Munich maybe will be nervous, but pleased with their results. I don't think there'll be much ruin for Hansi Flick. I think he'll just be sort of uh, pleased that despite playing not as great as they can, they still get all three points. Yeah, you can't rue a tenth successive win after all. But as you say, this wasn't, they didn't run away with this. It was Mm -hmm. 50% possession. It was 10 shots to nine. It was was all pretty close and a little bit too close for comfort. And as we said, some slightly underwhelming performances. Boateng, uh, Luke from Modern Family, even though he got the goal, he got the own goal as well. Uh, Luca Hernandez. (laughs) I thought Perisic was wasn't wonderful in this one. Yeah. So there was lots of sort of mm, reasons for concern in this, but I'm sure Bayern being Bayern, they've got Werder Bremen coming up next too. We all know don't have the world's greatest defense. I think they're going to you know, rack it up again in that one. Uh, Werder Bremen did have a, a, a pretty solid weekend. Josh Sargent still not on the score sheet, but they, but they get the win. They get three points. They get many goals. Uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf now in that conversation with Werder Bremen, they've been in the conversation, but now more so. Uh, Dusseldorf in 16th after their loss to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, they're on 28 points, so too are Werder Bremen. Let's talk about that loss for a moment from Dusseldorf because they're hanging in. This is the game I was talking about where... Um, before Holland scores the late winner, you do have the piped-in crowd noise into the broadcast of the fans who weren't there whistling for the game to end, which I thought was 
Very nice work by the, <laughs> the sound engineer. The strange thing, though, is that this was Dusseldorf at home and that the sound engineer then chose to blast the crowd cheering when Holland scores in the 95th minute. Maybe uh, that engineer just got excited because Holland always makes us uh, pretty pumped when he scores. I think so. In the context of a 96-minute winner, you've got to have a little bit of crowd noise, I think, there. Uh, let's, let's give him a break there. And, sure. Um, for Dortmund, never in doubt, was it? Never in doubt, this one? 96 I mean, minute, I, I, Holland. I, mean, I guess when you have Holland in the box, you can always feel sort of <laughs> confident. And it's also uh, Erling Holland who did not start this game. He comes on for Axel Witzel. So yeah. too does Gio Reyna. But Gio Reyna isn't able to score. Erling Holland is. Uh, has his traditional low-key celebration. But he can do whatever he wants because it's a great it's a great ball in from Akanji. But it is still Holland has to do a lot of work to get on the end of it. But then to direct it the way he does. It's not just some smash header from two yards out. It's not a Jan Kohler. It's a very crafty defense. Reflected uh, directional header. It's what Holland does best. Uh, yep. His his manager Lucien Favre maybe doesn't do celebrating that that well uh, in his emphatic celebrations. We see him grab his calf. I think maybe a calf strain to a calf pull. Uh, so he even is not yet back to full fitness to full form. But Erling Holland definitely seems to be. I do like a, an injury, a celebration injury. Yes, yes. There's some joy in that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, and so for Dortmund, uh, you're right that maybe this wasn't, or I guess you were saying it was never in doubt, but maybe you were saying that tongue-in-cheek. But you I do was have, being cheeky. Yeah, I figured. You have Jaden Sancho uh, starting this game, I believe, playing the entirety of the game, so uh, maybe some fitness concerns dashed there. You have Julian Brandt starting as a false nine, but you have Erling Holland coming in, and it feels like maybe you have Dortmund just with a bit more a, a few like more options than maybe we've seen in the last couple of weeks and maybe rounding into uh, the ideal form maybe not at the ideal time but I would expect them to be just fine in these remaining three games yeah and uh, they've got Mainz coming up next and then uh, RB Leipzig a big one penultimate one there before Hoffenheim uh, thereafter so yeah n- nice little run in for Dortmund there uh, but Bayern only need one more win, don't they, mathematically? Am I right in thinking? And that next game, as we mentioned, is against Werder Bremen. So we would assume that Bayern will be uh, gunning for that title when they meet Werder Bremen. We will certainly discuss that game uh, when it happens, as well as uh, Bayern Munich's title, their most recent title, when that happens as well. But for now, we've talked the Bundesliga. Let's talk Italy for a moment. Not Serie A. Let's talk Coppa Italia, because we had two Coppa Italia games. We now know the final. It will be Napoli hosting Juventus. Uh, Napoli, the home team. I don't know how much that will factor into the hosting. Uh, but that final will be this Wednesday, uh, June 17th. It's at 3 p.m. You've got that game to look forward to. You've got a cup final uh, in mid to late June. Uh, but let's talk about how both teams got there because we had the first legs uh, played back in February. Uh, not usual to get a four-month gap between uh, the first and second leg. Uh, but we had Napoli winning at Inter in February, so they had a 1-0 lead heading home. We had uh, Milan drawing 1-1 with Juve at home. So the second round, we see Juventus with a 0-0 draw, which means they go through on away goals. We have Napoli with a 1-1 draw. They pull one back. They advance uh, 2-1 on aggregate. Uh, Ryan, where should we start with this one? I, I don't know if we need to get too in-depth on these ones on these games, given that it was 0-0 and 1-1. But let's maybe look at Juve-Milan and a weird 90 seconds uh, for both teams. Yeah, we don't need to get too into the weeds with uh, the Coppa Italia coming back with a bang with two draws. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, an interesting one. Um, uh, it was Friday, wasn't it? Was it Friday, this one? Milan yes. Juventus? Uh, uh, all days mean nothing to me anymore. <laughs> but uh, one of my friends, Daniela Matar, who um, wrote uh, for... P- she's a PA writer, and she was one of 10 journalists allowed into the stadium for this one. And it was really fascinating talking to her about it. She's um, 
called it in her report a semi-private viewing and noted Mm. that when Ronaldo missed the shot, I missed this on the broadcast, but apparently he swore very loudly. And basically you could could hear it in the entire (laughs) Juventus stadium, which is probably not something. Was it it an English curse or was it uh, Portuguese or Spanish or Italian? Didn't say. It's oh interesting. I have to follow up with that. I'm going to um, guess I can guess the word, and it's four letters, and it starts with an F. That's my guess. <laughs> sorry. No, sorry, that's fine. Yeah, that's um, definitely it. <laughs> that's the new curse word. Perfect. Um, uh, he didn't look 100% fit in this no. game, Ronaldo, but I guess that's another thing. But uh, it, it, it's an interesting one. Also, Dan, Daniel is saying that... Um, there was no sort of post-match scrum for interviews either. Everyone mm-hmm. had to like stay in their seats and sort of be assigned questions, which is a, a very weird situation. And this was a weird situation, seeing Juventus in what is usually a packed stadium uh, play yeah. out a nil-nil draw with Milan in this one. I don't know what much more to say about this game, apart from Ribic's uh, yeah, <laughs> red card that's... for that incredibly high challenge on De Nio. <laughs> it, was, um, it, it was... That's what I keep going back to, is how strange it was, because... like. It, it it had a vibe of just like Milan did not want to play that next. They do not want to play the Copa Italia final because uh, Ronaldo steps up. If he if he scores that penalty, now really they've got the advantage. He misses the penalty, so it's like oh, it's like we've seen that momentum change. Like oh, he misses the penalty. Milan pick one up, and suddenly Juve heads down. And instead, he misses the penalty. The ball is slightly cleared, and then Ante Rebic destroys Alexandro, and uh, that's that for Ante Rebic, a straight red card. And from there, Juve able to hold on for a nil-nil draw. It yeah. was just so odd to see, like, oh, maybe things are going to... Oh, never mind, he got a red card. Like, that's that. <laughs> also, oh, the one other thing was Gonzalo Higuain mm. on his phone. Did you see oh, this? Yes. The he yes. just, he's just on his iPhone during the middle of the game. I mean, we've, yeah. it seems like a, some things have been relaxed in this... Uh, yeah. <laughs> in this post-pandemic world, but apparently players are now allowed to sit on the phone while they're substitutes. With a I, mask, I might add. Nowhere near being over his nose. And that's one of my pet peeves when I go out, by yeah. the way, Tay-Tay. People wearing their masks incorrectly, including not covering their noses. Yeesh. Like c- covering your forehead. That's not, that's not going to get the job done. I do appreciate <laughs> that we aren't the only ones who sort of get distracted in games that are behind closed doors and that even the players tend to, I'm going to assume, scroll Twitter and see what's happening on Instagram as opposed to paying attention to the match on the field. <laughs> and if it's going to be anyone, I can imagine it'll be Higuain on his phone in that one. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, fair over in the other semifinal, uh, as I said, we had Napoli advancing one to one in their return home leg, uh, and we have Dries Mertens becoming Napoli's all-time leading goal scorer. I had to check because I assumed it was Diego Maradona that he had surpassed. It was not. Can you take a shot at who it was? Oh, I'll give you a hint. Big hint. Mohawk. Think Mohawk. Ah, oh, Mr. Hamsik. Mm. There it is. Nice. I did not know that he yeah. had scored that many goals. But yes, we now have Drake Martins with 122, Hamzik with 121, Maradona with 115. Wow. That's quite tight, mm. isn't it? Well done, Drees Mertens. And yeah. always always a delight to watch Drees Mertens play as well. Uh, I mean, and this this wasn't classic Drees Mertens' beautiful finish or anything. This was very Route 1, this goal, wasn't it? Yes, it was. <laughs> I mean, and, it, and it's also similar to the Sergio Ramos goal in which Aiden Hazard probably could have scored, but then squares it to him to tap in. Uh, yeah. We have the same thing here where it's Lorenzo Insigne. Probably could have taken that shot, but instead squares it to Drees Mertens for the finish, who does then celebrate with Insigne. So I think he, he shows his appreciation there. So that was that was sort of a... like routine goal the Christian Eriksen Olympico unintentional Olympico was maybe less routine David Espina should do better instead sort of parries it into his net so that's how Inter took the lead but then Dries Mertens is able to pull it back so well done to Dries Mertens and Napoli and now we're gonna get 
uh, Gattuso and Napoli versus Juventus and Maurizio Sarri. It's Napoli versus their old manager. Uh, were there going to be fans there, I think it would be a bit acrimonious uh, since there won't be. I do wonder if the Napoli fans have any sort of ill will towards Sarri. I'm guessing they don't. But maybe we'll see a spicy challenge or maybe if there's a loose ball on the sideline, we'll see somebody slide into Sarri. <laughs> maybe so I wonder if there is do you think um, if there's social distancing sorry so able to smoke on the sidelines again people from the, no one's going to be near him <laughs> I mean we were we did uh, the old uh, Juventus team from like the 95 to 1998 when we were doing International Champions Cup of History last night and watching Marcelo Lippi he's just straight up smoking cigars on the sideline oh, and yeah. when you see that stuff you assume it was like oh that only happened in weird moments or that only happened in like the 70s and 60s nope Marcelo Lippi liked a cigar <laughs> so if he can do it why not let I'm sure it's Marcelo Lippi excuse me but if he can do it why not let uh, Mauricio Sarri yeah I'm fine with him smoking on the sidelines so let's let it happen I just want to see the David Squires bridge here, sorry, where he's got cigarette butts coming out of his ears. Like every orifice has got a cigarette in it. I enjoy that there, very much. There has to be a face mask that is custom designed to allow you to smoke, right? It's just completely defeating the purpose, but simultaneously sort of like being good for social distancing. You know what? That's a good point about smokers and masks, because the one thing I've noticed wearing a mask is that I'm often aware of my breath is not the freshest at uh-huh. many times of the day. Yeah. And if you're a smoker, that's going to be compounded, isn't it? It really, really is. Uh, yes. So we'll see if Sari is allowed to smoke if he does indeed have a, a, a stinky face mask. I don't look forward to finding that out, nor do I want to. But if you're anxious about the state of your face mask and the smell therein, then we could, uh, we could steer you in the direction of today's sponsor, Sunday Scaries. Sunday Scaries are specially formulated CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12. They're super consumable, easy to take on the go, and they can help you with, uh, if you need to say decompress, relax, calm down, or or not worry about the odor of your face mask, then Sunday Scaries can help with that. <laughs> they can indeed. Face mask odor is definitely uh, something that is solved by Sunday Scaries' CBD gummies. Uh, they become a leading CBD brand of Sunday Scaries for millennials. Last year, Sunday Scaries CBD gummies and CBD oil won top accolades from Forbes, Men's Health, Allure, mm, mm. and Best Products. I've got to say, Tate, I'd never really got on the CBD boat until relatively recently when I got a knee injury from running. Mm. I, I was doing this thing uh, called streaking, not the Will Ferrell, old school style streaking, but um, trying to run every day. And I got to three weeks and my knees started going, nope, nope, you're, you're 36, Ryan, stop doing this. And I got CBD oil involved in the situation and it's really helped. And I think it's really, really helped my general demeanor. I think it's really helped um, be, being in lockdown in a family of four and sort of the, the, the decompression, the relaxing. I sort of have one, uh, I, I take some CBD after dinner, sort of that sort of time. And that makes the evening a bit more pleasant so i'm all on board with this kind of thing wow all right so if you want to have uh ideally a similar experience to ryan bailey if you're running in the knees hurt if you just want to have a calm after dinner evening you can get 25 (laughs) percent off your first order with the code soccer at sundayscaries.com that's 25 percent off your first order at sundayscaries.com and enter code soccer where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page and it's not scary it's nice. It's nice. So you can find out what product might be best for you. Go to sundayscaries.com. Use code soccer one more time to get 25% off. Thank you very much to Sunday Scaries for sponsoring today's episode. Ryan, thank you very much for talking uh, La Liga, Bundesliga, a little Coppa Italia. But let's talk Premier League for a moment because we do have the Premier League returning this week. I am very excited, even if we could get the title race like decided immediately. I don't know if we're going to, but I am pretty pumped to have it back. 
How are you feeling about the return of the Premier League? We were both a little bit nervous about the sort of medical procedures and how that aspect of it might go. But I'm wondering, generally speaking, uh, where you are in your enthusiasm for the return of the Premier League. My enthusiasm is increasing day by day. As you say, I was concerned about the being a bit destined to fail with the testing and the fact that the UK has had a pretty poor response to the whole epidemic. But... Yeah, now we're at this point where we're on the cusp of it restarting again. I'm very excited. And I know that we don't have much of a title race, but there's an awful lot going on in the rest of the league. I mean, even, well, I don't think we've heard what happens with Man City's um, court of arbitration for sport ruling, but it means that Champions League places could go down to fifth place. It means that as it stands, Sheffield, United, and I think Wolves are probably in Europa League spots, and you've got Arsenal, Tottenham behind them, not even in European contention right now. We've got Is it six teams who are going to be fighting relegation at the moment? There is an awful lot at stake here. And I'm quite looking forward to seeing how it's all pulled off, frankly, because I was looking at some of the rules and like there's a standard kind of rules, Taylor, you know, there's nine subs on the bench now. It's gone up from seven, uh, five substitutes, just being standard elsewhere. And as we sort of touched on earlier, there's going to be drinks breaks in each half to combat that fierce July heat that we get in England because it's such a a hot country, as we all know. (laughs) There's not going to be any ball boys to return the balls. Do you know what they're going to do, apparently? I read this earlier. They're going I have no to idea. Str- they're going to, to str- strategically place balls on cones around the fields. Who will replenish the balls on the cones is another question, but that is apparently uh, what's going to be happening. They say they've banned... Here's an interesting one. They say they've banned um, touching during celebrations, which we seem to, seems to have been abandoned in other leagues. Yeah. What I want to know is, isn't it okay to touch during celebrations is everyone on the field has had a test and they've all tested negative what are the neg downsides of being in close contact on the field it's a fair question uh, especially when and this is where like i've kind of avoided some of that talking point just because i'm not a doctor i'm not a scientist i don't really know these things you're not but i'll say this that like oh, sorry go ahead uh, you're not a doctor. I've got to stop going for you for my gas station pills, man. I mean, I'm a doctor in the way that Dr. Pepper is a doctor. <laughs> um, but but in terms of actual medical like practices, yeah, my assumption would be that if you have all been tested and all been screened and you're clear and also you're playing a game that does invite contact and does allow for contact, there will be some contact back and forth. My assumption is only that that was from a almost a like PR or a like spreading awareness standpoint of we don't want all these guys like mobbing each other and jumping up and down and celebrating in a big scrum. And that might make people or even kids at home think, oh, well, it's okay to then jump around and hug my friends because they're doing it on TV. So maybe it was just more of a like from the optics standpoint is why there was such a crackdown on that. But I'm with you then that to outright ban it and like, are you going to dish out cards? Are you going to dish out suspensions? That feels like a recipe for disaster, at least a recipe for a lot of of unnecessary talking points that ain't gonna happen frankly and if they if it was for optics reasons and i totally get that and i accept your point then the following bit of information will be interesting for you taylor Uh-oh. players and staff are not required to wear face masks in the stadiums they are not required to so whereas in the bundesliga i think there is a rule where they have to wear them or mm-hmm. certain people have to wear them not a requirement in the premier league so if they want uh, um people to be wearing masks and if they want to project that message and by the way For example, in the UK, all public transport is mandatory to wear a mask at the moment, but not in the Premier League stadiums. Make of that Um, what you will. We're on a podcast, so I just feel the need to articulate this. I am literally scratching my head right now because that is confusing to me. Uh, Yeah, you would assume that face masks would still be part of the recommendations. Uh, As far as I know, they are still part of the recommendations for normal humans going out uh, into normal society or whatever our semblance of normal society is right now. So (laughs) that is 
very, very odd to me. Uh, will there be, as far as you understand, there will still be social distancing? They'll still have to spread out? Or will they be like, yes, tightly packed on a bench like sardines, but with no masks? There are social distancing recommendations. Yes, they will not be on giving each other piggybacks onto the field or anything like that. Don't worry about that. This feels mildly Premier League. Like, you know what? We're just going to do it our own way. That's it. Like, we, we, other people have done it their way. We have to add certain wrinkles just so we can say we, we've done it our way. We've had our own uh, platform for how we've gone about reopening. Yeah. And also, the timing, just in case people aren't aware, this is, this is a lot. They're, they're squeezing this all into five weeks. The, yes. the last round of games is going to be July 26th or 7th, I think it will end. Uh, and the week after that, they're proposing to do the FA Cup final. So they're going to have to squeeze in those games at some point as well. Um, so that means that they'll give, the plan is to give the players a three-week break thereafter. And then 2020-21 season won't start until mid-September after two weeks of training for that. So it's fairly full-on for the players, but hey, it always was. So, Ryan, the players are going to be very busy. Uh, f- fans of the Premier League teams are going to be very excited. I-, I have this question for you. I don't think we've ever talked about it. I'm wondering uh, if you could share your insights with us on how you watch the Premier League. Because, not from a TV standpoint, I'm assuming you watched on television. But you are uh, a Wimbledon fan. I almost made a joke about MK Dons, but I will not. So your Thank team you. is not in the Premier League. I know you, you when you were covering uh, Man City for the Athletic, I'm assuming there's some like sentimentality there. There's a little bit of an emotional connection, but when you watch the Premier League are you watching for a specific team are you rooting for English players are you looking just for narratives from a writing and talking about soccer standpoint like how do you go about watching the Premier League what are your areas of interest this is interesting and the people have asked me this before and like I get the question like so what team do you support and I say Wimbledon they say no who's your Premier League team yeah I I don't understand your question because (laughs) I there is there is a, a feeling among American supporters that you have to, or among many supporters around the mm-hmm. world, that you have to sort of hitch your wagon to a team to appreciate right. a league. And I don't necessarily buy into that because I don't have any feelings, positive or negative. Well, I have some negative feelings about some teams. I don't have an <laughs> inclination towards any particular team in the Premier League. And even as you say, if I covered Man City for a year for the Athletic, I don't feel any more inclined to follow them. And they had their shortcomings, certainly. I just like watching really good soccer and watching the narrative unfold i'm talking about it with you on a monday uh-huh. um that's basically what, what i like doing and i am just i could just consider myself a premier league fan as much as i'm you know a bundesliga fan or a Serie A fan or, a, or any of the other major leagues i just like really good soccer and i don't feel like i have to have i don't feel like i have to follow a team in that particular league to get the most out of it that is well said, and I look forward to talking about the Premier League with you. We'll be back next Monday to talk Premier League, to talk Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A. We've got everything back. Still behind closed doors, but behind closed doors, multiple leagues playing is certainly better than we were a month ago and two months ago. So I look forward to that, and I look forward to continuing to talk to you, Mr. Bailey. Oh, Taylor, it's always a pleasure. Never a chore. You got me on my knees, Taylor. Taylor. <laughs>